we start a new series now. That series is Full of Faith and Love. Thank you. I almost turned around. I, it just disappeared on me. And uh, the first couple presenting this is our own pastor of the house, Philip and Hannah. So good to have you guys with us. We invite you to come and share this morning. Come, come. Let's welcome them. just get all comfy. Do we look comfy? There are some bigger leather ones, but then I was afraid I was going to fall asleep, and I, I wouldn't want that, because this is really important, especially since we're, we're talking about being full of faith and love. But uh, this morning, we just wanted to really focus um, on our relationship, um, because that's really what we have to bring to each other is the testimony of our lives and, and our relationship. But... Um, Something that has just really profoundly hit me, as we know, is, is just the, um, is this the need for love today and love to be expressed to the world and the community around us. So many things trying to steal our love, take our love away. But I just wanted to, let's just reflect, and I'm just going to read through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Let's start in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It does not act disgracefully. It does not seek its own benefit. It is not provoked. It does not keep an account of a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It keeps every confidence. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never fails. It's good. Um, so when Phil, uh, first read through, um, this verse and some of the commentary, it, it got a picture in my mind, but I wanted to first explain a little bit. Um, so last year, the beginning of 2020, I was in a DNA group with a couple ladies and we, um, will at the beginning of every year pray for a focus for the year, and then um, keep each other accountable every month when we meet and, and talk about what God's doing in that time through that. So I've had different topics like time management and different things that I've worked on. Um, last year, the Lord said, homemade, like it was two words, homemade. And I thought, that's... <laughs> I don't know exactly how I'm supposed to work on, on that, um, but it seemed like really intentional, like something that is made in the home, homemade. Those were the words that he gave me. I'm like, I don't know what to do with that, but I brought it to them, and they're like, okay, we'll pray about it. And then, you know, in March, like, that's where you're at. You're at home, and the people that you're with, that's it for the next however many months it was, I don't know, five years it felt like, but it was a great time. <laughs> um, it, it really was like a great time, and it was 
almost baffling to me that so many people were so stressed because I'm like, this is kind of nice. I just get to stay home and bake cookies and be with all my favorite people. And um, so, But it was an effort at the same time, too, because there were, you know, those moments where it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going crazy. I've got to get out of here. Um, so it, it made sense then, like, okay, I need to really focus on home. And I had had some... Um, time in previous years where the Lord had really had me focus on um, my family and my children and making sure that like my children aren't um, you know like pushed to the side for other things that we're doing and they need to really be a a priority so this wasn't like something um, new it was something that had been building so when Phil um, had said hey how about we do the Corinthians verse and he broke it down and he read it all I pulled some of the pieces of that verse and it just I could see it it made sense to me um seeing love as a house and I could see um as he was reading down each one like what each part was so patience was the first one love is patient and that like immediately made sense to me like oh patience is like the floor of your home and the other pieces I'll just go ahead and say um our walls are trust and friendship, and our ceiling is confidence, our wall, our roof, roof, the roof, the roof is, is confidence. So we'll start with the floor, the base. Uh, patience is under constant pressure. It puts up with spills, and it is the groundwork which all other elements are built on. Patience applied with love is our ability to show mercy and charity in our relationship. Well, and I was, I was thinking about that word charity. It comes from charis. Um, and charity is the idea of basically uh, uh, us putting on, and in fact, that term means putting on the love of Christ. If you look at the etymology of that word, it's putting on, it's putting on the love of Christ for somebody else. So I am loving someone else with the love of Christ. And I'm, so I'm extending charity in that relationship. I'm willing to give. I'm willing to release into that relationship. And then, of course, beautiful things happen, especially uh, as, as, as we position ourselves uh, to, to receive and put on the love of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, you know, one thing about uh, patience that I've been thinking about <laughs> in my life and in our marriage is that I haven't always been the most patient person. And, um, you know, er- early on, uh, I would say that um, I didn't know how to process the feelings that I had or the emotions that I was feeling. I didn't know how to process really, and we'll, we'll touch on some conflict stuff a little later, but one of the things that I've seen as a benefit to patients is that uh, it affords us and, uh, and, and the person we're dealing with. It doesn't always have to be our spouse, but it could be a friend. It could be a coworker. But patience affords us the time and the opportunity uh, <clears throat> to, without my pressure, for, for that person and myself to receive conviction from the Holy Spirit to receive resolution from the Holy Spirit, to, re- to receive a higher solution. Sometimes it's so easy just to jump in 
And but when we're patient, it's just like we open the opportunity for, for, for God to work and God to touch hearts and bring a resolve in, in the best way possible. And that's through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and that's through prayer. And that's through just taking a little bit of time. And I think we can all raise our hands and say, you know, uh, that sometimes when we've really felt to wait and not address something right away, you know, because we want to jump in and just get it done, that if, if we'll just hold, the Holy Spirit will, will, will take care of that work so beautifully. And I think that that's, that's that reliance again on, on putting him on uh, as far as love. So. Yeah, so what does that look like in a relationship? Um, I value my relationship over being right. I, some laughter. Does that ring with someone? Uh, I seek the interests of others over my own. It does not keep an account of wrongs for self-gain or control. The relationship is more important than what I can get out of it. This relationship works better when the other person is valuing me and doing what they're doing out of love and value for me rather than me controlling them to do that or blackmailing them or you know not wanting to be hurt well i was just i was just thinking about value system there uh is that um isn't really love just applied value uh, it's uh isn't love where we actually uh, apply value to somebody else it's like can you love someone if you don't value yourself can you love someone if you haven't understood what value is? Because God placed his value on us even before we were in a place of understanding, even while we were yet in sin. It's like he died for us and he established the value as priceless. And so it's, it's you know, to me, God is love, but, but God is the giver of value. And, 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 and value is that love exchange, isn't it? Where we receive value and then I, in turn, can release that value to other people. So depending on what my value system depends on how well I can love other people, how much do I value them? If I don't value them very much, then that's going to affect the way that I demonstrate love. So love, to me, is applied value. It's us actually applying value to other people. And of course, because Christ set that price for us as priceless, then, then if we can apply the same value that the Lord gave to us, and again, putting on Christ, right, putting on love. There's scriptures all over about that. We're, it's a put on, right? Some people would say that. But we're putting it on. We're receiving the same value and applying that to other people. And I tell you what, when you value something, you can be patient with it. You know, you can, you can be patient, whether that's, my, whether that's my wife, whether that's a friend, and, uh, and I separate that out. Or whether it's just a, a pet around the house or something. You know? <laughs> we value it because, because we love it, right? And so we're patient with it in training. And, and, and my, my, dog is, my dog is not, uh, I, I tell you, he, he, he has a few issues. But I realized when I took a class that the issues were actually with me. That... I, I, we, we took a little training class online, and, it, and it, the whole time it just talked about me and not my dog. <laughs> that I was the one with the issue, and I was the one with the problem, and why my dog wasn't behaving the way it should. But that's a side note. And, but here, here's, here's the truth. I really believe that the more we value, the more it opens the opportunity for patience in, in a relationship. So. 
Um, so if we're talking about any kind of uh, structure, physical or spiritual, um, it's susceptible to pressures and stresses. And those things can cause cracks. So for each one of the pieces of the home, um, I've identified some areas where it can get cracks. So the cracks for patients come with uh, defensiveness. So I allow my patients to be attacked when I choose defensiveness in conflict. That looks like finger pointing. Um, so a strategy against that, I came up with an example that I asked my husband permission ahead of time that I share. Um, so when he comes home, um, sometimes work's not quite done yet and there's still communications and things that need to happen, but sometimes I've been waiting to talk to him about things. So, um, so I'm just going to set the scenario for you here. So I'm... I've been waiting to talk to him about some things. He comes home, we start talking. And then while I'm still talking, he picks up the phone and starts texting. So this is an opportunity for me to either choose patience or to choose defensiveness. I can point the finger and say, you aren't paying attention to me, what are you doing? Or I can say, I can point the finger back at myself with some humility and identify that I am getting defensive. And I can say what I'm needing from him in a positive way that is gentle and honoring and empowering for him to choose a patient response back with me. So that looks like me saying... Um, I would like to, I'm trying to connect with you right now and talk to you about what's going on. It's not, you know, super important, but I would like to have some connection time with you and no one is interrupting us right now. So this seems like a good time. Should we, is something pressing going on that we need to wait or could you just put the phone down and give me attention for a few minutes? And it might sound like me just saying that outright is like, I don't know, needy or something. But if that is what I need, it's better to say what my need is in that positive way than to, yeah, or, or get angry or sarcasm, which we'll bring up later. Yeah, so that's an example of like a positive way instead of pointing the finger this way. This is an attack on patience. This is defensive. This is the humble response of saying this is, the, the lack of patience right now is on my part, so I need to deal with that. Right, and it's, and it's, a, and it's calling value, isn't it? It's, 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 it's saying let's, let, let's value uh, in a way that, uh, that, that can be understood and, and, um, and you're not partnering with defensiveness. So, yeah, I think that's an awesome example. Um, well, what isn't patience then, speaking of that? So. Patience is not avoidance and stonewalling. That's maybe one where I come in a little more. That's a struggle So for me. speaking um, of, can I, can I jump in there? Sure. Uh, so, you know, one of, one of my tactics when we got into a place of conflict uh, was to retreat. And, and I know I've talked with a, a number of other men that have experienced this as well. 
you know, uh, sometimes that means the man cave, or sometimes that means like um, just taking a drive. And I didn't know how to always process my emotions. And um, so instead of getting angry or upset, I would just leave. And, uh, and I would just go, hey, I need to go drive in the car. I don't even know if I've always communicated that much. But I just had to, I didn't know how to process my feelings when we hit a point of confrontation. And so I would just have to go drive. And I realized like all those blocks of driving and wherever I would drive through never ever really produced anything good. It only brought us back to a place where we actually didn't have, and can I say this word chemistry? We didn't have the chemistry to be able to resolve the conflict when I would return because things had shifted, changed, right? Circumstances, phone calls, duties, tasks. The best time to resolve anything is in the moment. And it's taking, the, I value you so much, I want resolve. I value you so much that everything from my body language to my communication is going to speak a message of resolve. But that's not what I used to do. And, and you know, so many, so, so, so many things that I, I, I did that were, uh, that I had to learn and to grow into where now is, as we work with couples, that really helps us because um, one of the things that uh, we, we just really work with is how do you position yourself to, uh, to resolve a conflict? Um, do you want to jump on the express frustration? <clears throat> yeah, I think I already said that. But yeah. I think the, the, something that I really think is um, important to mention is there's like an active side of patience and a passive side of patience, and it can be sometimes the place to just give us the person or the situation to the Lord and pray for them to receive conviction. Um, but that's not always the way to do it. Pa patience can also be interactive. Um, there's... You really have to guard your heart when you're just giving it to the Lord that you're also not just avoiding talking to the person about it. There's a, an active part of patience where you're still, you can still be engaging and it can be empowering and gracious. And I think we don't maybe see that all the time as patience. Patience is just I'm just going to pray that the Lord brings the conviction they need. And that's part of it. But we want to be actively involved and keep that chemistry through it because they might not even know that the issue is there until we bring it up. So I think that's really important to bring that. Patience isn't just standing back. And it can be easy to get critical at that point because you're saying, well, God can deal with it because I don't know how they... You know, if he's just going to keep texting while I'm talking, I guess I'll just go in a different room until he's done, you know, or I can make that connection with him and we can work through it together. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that uh, one of the things that we, we like to work with couples on is just uh, some, some different areas of uh, how, how to resolve conflict really quickly. And, uh, and one of those ways is in uh, positioning yourself um, to uh, even through your body language, just to demonstrate my desire to resolve because I value you, and and I think that is such a key is just just to keep that value running through. But one of the keys that we found, and and you know there are studies that show this as well, but actually resolving conflict really doesn't have anything to do with 
the history or even really you could say the thing at hand that caused the issue. But actually really resolving conflict is connecting hearts again. And um, so, you know, you can say, oh, but the facts, oh, but this, oh, but that, oh, but the, the records or the, and you know that uh, love doesn't keep a record of wrong. So one of the positions that we have to come through, especially in the area uh, of, of uh, that is, is halting history of allowing, uh, allowing only what is pertinent in the moment to be brought into resolving a conflict so that I'm not going, but you've done this 20 times, or you've done this 40 times, or you've done this 60 times, because we know what the scripture says about, you know, also being able to forgive 70 times 7, you know, that we're not, we're not dragging up our history, but what we're actually saying is putting ourselves in a vulnerable position of saying, I value you so much that I'm going to let you in to the deepest places of my heart to tell you what I actually feel in this moment. And so most of the time, and, and it sounds strange, but the way to resolve conflict is actually to get emotional. You just don't want the wrong emotions expressed. Yeah. You want the right emotions expressed. And so when we can tap into the right emotions to say, I'm willing to be vulnerable and I'm willing to share what my heart is saying in this moment and, and what hurts me on an emotional level, then now we have an opportunity uh, to, 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 to find a resolve. Uh, so, for example, um, you know, the way that you said that uh, devalued me and it hurt my heart. But I know that you value me, but I do feel hurt right now. Well, that just sounds like, well, get over it, you know. You know, but that's actually, that's actually the segue to healing in that one party, whichever one it is, initiates, even in heightened tension and heightened emotions and, and you know, all the, all the things that are driving us to actually want to separate and not to connect. Uh, through all of that, we're saying, I value you so much that now on a heart level, I'm bearing my soul, I'm bearing my heart, and now I'm being transparent and saying, uh, really, this hurt me. Ultimately, my heart feels hurt because I don't feel valued, or I, I, I feel like you don't trust me, or feel like just fill in the blank, right? So what we're bringing is just bringing the relevant, pertinent thing in that moment, and then that allows the exchange for the other partner to say, oh man, you know, then we can move an opportunity of bringing healing and forgiveness, and they can connect on a heart level as well, because transparency and vulnerability is the key to resolving conflict. So, good. We got a house to build. We need some walls here. Yeah, All right. So our walls are trust and friendship. Uh, they need strength because these are weight-bearing walls. This is not a, a sheet of uh, sheetrock. This is holding stuff on. So we need our trust and our friendship to be solid. So um, I, I feel like trust, and oftentimes I remember doing a, uh, uh, I don't know who had the opportunity to do premarital uh, with, with Dan and Gina, but we got to do some premarital with them. And one of the things that he always talks about is establishing a place of freedom where the other person can grow in the Lord. And to me, that's like exactly what trust looks like. It is, uh, you know, is establishing a place of freedom where that person is able to grow without me adding more weight to the wall of my mistrust. You know, I, I'm not adding more there, but I'm actually positioning myself 
to, to allow freedom to that individual to be able to grow. So there's still the interconnected hearts. It's not like we're, we're, okay, you go do your thing, I'll do mine. No, but it's, it's, it's trust that runs deep uh, in a way that is, is empowering and causes growth and, and even allows that person uh, the connection that they need with the Lord. Uh, because ultimately, that's the, the most important thing is for her to grow in her relationship with the Lord and me to create an environment where I can trust and give freedom uh, for her to grow in the way that she needs to. And I think that's, again, another uh, example of, of, of how love has worked out. Yeah, um, just feeling like I can be independent has felt very empowering to me in our relationship. But um, it's really also very important to keep that in context of um, very frequent and close communication because you're, you know, allowed to have your own interests or your own ministry or your own whatever, but um, the value of constant communication uh, cannot be emphasized enough there. Um, but not in the sense that in a marriage you do, like, answer to one another, but I prefer the perspective of um, we want to stay involved with one another. So it is important that we, we check in, but answering to my husband and him answering to me kind of feels more like obligatory than I want you to be involved in what I'm doing. I want you to know what I'm doing and as far as even like finances and things go. You know, you can feel like you need to answer to them about what you've spent, but it's more like the involvement of each one of you wanting a piece and a part of what you're walking out together. So friendship um, was not in that verse, and but I felt like it was really important. It's such an important part to like the person that you're with and I was so glad that it came up today several times um, in worship too the song we were singing about being friends of God the verse that Christy had as being friends of God and all of this is intertwined and can't separate it from um, you know, context with relationship with the father and you know, you can't separate one of these pieces of the house on their own and only rely on your friendship or only rely on trust or only rely on your patience with that person and expect your, your house to stand. You really need all of these pieces. So friendship, I felt, was a really important part of that. And if I felt kind of silly. The thing that I wanted to use to express the importance of this is an acronym. So it just feels like silly. It's like, oh, it's so important. So I came up with an acronym for it. Um, so your F is for focused attention. When your partner is talking to you, engaging with you, it's important to turn to them in those times of connection. R raises you up. We want to be with people that make us, you know, feel good about what we're doing with our life. And, you know, we can speak into each other honestly, but, you know, it's all in an effort to raise each other up. Interests. So we want to be interested in them and what's going on in their life, and it also helps marriage to have common interests together. 
And if one of you is sporty and the other one's not, it can be like reading a certain type of book or a certain kind of music or making a certain kind of food, yeah, whatever it is. But to having some kind of common interest to pull each other together and also being interested, I want to know what's going on in his life, not just, you know, at work. What does he enjoy doing? That interest in each other just keeps things, you know, fresh and curious and asking open-ended questions to keep each other talking. Um, E is excellent compliments. You want to be specific. I, I don't mind hearing, I appreciate you, but I like to know why. So, <laughs> so if you say, I look Nice. I want to know, what about me looks nice? Is it because I did my hair today? Is it because I'm, you know, wearing something that's not frumpy? Like, you appreciate um, what I'm doing, how, like, how, you know, whatever. I want to I wanna know why. Like, don't just throw a compliment out there. I want to know the guts of it. So, you know, giving specific compliments so that the other person knows why they're valued and what you're doing that's valuable to them. N is need for connection. Take notice when your partner needs connection time. Maybe they are going off on their own or maybe they're trying to get your attention. Just being present and available. And this one um, has also been really important for our relationship with our kids. Um, just knowing that they need connection time every day. And um, Pat Caduti gave me some really good advice about just being available for them in the evenings. You know, when we've got all of our stuff going on during the day, it's hard sometimes to, like, sit down and have meaningful talks with them. But I provide that time for them in the evenings. If they want to come in at, you know, five minutes before bedtime and start a really deep talk, you know, that's the priority. We're going to go ahead and do that. And if it means you get to bed a little bit later, if you're really opening up during that time, I know that they need that connection. So just making sure that you are available for that connection time. And D is deposits in their account. Um, if it's their love language or if it's just saying something positive, we want to have, you know, at least five positive interactions for every negative interaction that you have. Um, a saying that I have written in different places in my house is to keep short accounts. I want to make sure that I am keeping track of where I'm at in the account for our relationships, but also for just like physical things in our house, like my kitchen counter. If I don't keep a short account with that, it's got everybody's stuff from the day that just piles up. I need to keep a short account on what goes there and get things moving. But the same for us. I don't want to let things just pile up and then think, oh, I guess we'll just deal with that in a really intense talk later. Like, no, let's just go ahead and, you know, deal with that now. Well, and that reminds me of the scripture, don't let the sun go down on your anger because I, I think that's been such a key in our marriage, is uh, even if it's 12 o'clock at night and one person's really tired, it's worth staying up to hear something if there's something that needs to be resolved because it's so much better to have that happen that day and for that not to then. Because what, what, what happens, and it is such a weird thing, and I think we've all experienced this, if we don't resolve something, it's weird how it manifests in a completely almost unrecognizable different way at a different time. 
And so rather than letting that thing run loose like a fox in our, in our vineyard you know, with its tail on fire, it's better to <clears throat> touch that, deal with that, get it done, even if it's midnight. You know, and that's something that we've found has really helped us. That then, because uh, you know, joy comes in the morning, but I feel like it's cultivated at night. You know, uh, it, it starts at night. It starts with how you go to sleep that brings the brings the uh, you know that manifestation of joy in the morning. So, so our cracks can come in trust and friendship from uh, negative criticism. This looks like sarcasm, mockery, and name calling. Uh, we can have positive types of criticism, like, you know, where I say, hey, can you make sure that you're paying attention to this? That's actually an opportunity for him to learn to grow in our marriage. Um, when, you know, we give each other a critique that's empowering and honoring, that's an opportunity like, oh, that's a place I can actually start to improve and, like, shine for my partner um, and those are like golden nuggets because you're figuring out a positive way to grow with them. But that does not happen in any sort of name calling and sarcasm. So we don't want to engage in it. And we want to build a culture of appreciation and gratitude. So our roof, this, when he was reading through the um, passion translation of uh, this verse, it was so good. It just by the, I was already thinking it, of it as a house, and then by the time we got to the end of this, it was just like, okay, that's exactly it. So I'm just going to read from here. Um, it keeps every confidence. Love is a safe place of shelter. Love bears all things. Although commonly understood to mean that love can bear hardships of any kind, the nominalized form of the verb stego is actually the word roof found in Mark 2.4. Paul is saying that love covers all things like a roof covers a house. See Peter 4.8. Love does not focus on what is wrong, but will bear with the shortcomings of others. And like a roof protects and shields, you could say that love springs no leak. It is a safe place that offers shelter, not exposure. I thought that was amazing. Like, yeah, that fits. Oh my gosh, it is. So confidence is the act of self-exposure or vulnerability with the expectation of safety. I know that what I say and do is safe with you because you have my best interests in mind and we guard each other's hearts. Well, and, and I was thinking about the French word. I think it's confidant, to have a confidant, somebody that you speak into, which I'm pretty sure it pulls from the same root. But it's like, I've, I've found like, I think we, we all need to be really careful having our confidants that are, that are not our spouses. And what I mean by that is you can have friendships, but it's very important to, to have friends pull alongside you and walk alongside you with the right things. But, but when you begin to take things out of the house that really belong in this relationship and interconnected and really should be communicated here rather than outside the house, it's like leaks start to form in, in the roof, you know? And I think that we have to be really careful that, that this is my confidant. This is my best friend, you know? That this is, this is a relationship that I work to cultivate. And then it ensures 
that, that, that the structure is solid and there aren't any leaks. And I'm not saying you can't have friends that you can spill, you know, and just be, be, have a shoulder to you. We all need those, right? But we just do have to be careful that, that we keep confidence. So leaks in the roof are products of hurt feelings and or breakdown in patience, trust, and friendship because it's all connected. And if those other structures start to weaken, it can crack our, our roof of confidence. And that looks like contempt, which is belittling and scoffing and looking down our nose at someone. Well, and again, isn't that a value system, right? <laughs> Because uh, I remember one day, and I've shared this a lot, but the Lord said, uh, if you always look up to me, you'll never look down on anyone again. And, you know, uh, and I think that's such a perspective that we have to have is that we, we're always getting our value system from heaven. And then we're applying that in our relationships with each other. And they'll never look looking down at the end of our nose anymore because we value them the way that the Father values them. And I think that is, that's such a key that ties everything back to value again. Um, one of, one of the things one of the things that I was just thinking through all of this is um, it's Christ's love is the answer, isn't it? it it's putting on Jesus Christ. That's what the scripture said, putting on love. Um, there's a lot of instances of how we can do these things, but we have to be so intentionally focused in this relationship because I honestly believe, you know, I'm so thankful that the old man was put on the cross, right? I, I'm so thankful that the power that, that, that our gratification has over us, and we can call that the flesh or whatever we want to call it, um, that that power has been stripped. Um, but we know through the scripture that there's still an opportunity to partner with that. Let's just look up Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 uh, through 24. And just before this, uh, the scripture says, but you did not learn Christ in, the, in this way. Well, what it's referring to is the futility of the mind. So it, it was not through the futility of the mind that you learned Christ. And what that means, futility means pointless, useless. There, there is no bearing. There is no direction. There is no strategy. There is no purpose. And so from that place, uh, we can... Uh, we can actually, that, that's not how we put Christ on. But if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. That's, that's present tense. So it's saying that it's possible to pick it up, right? Jesus took every sin to the cross, but how I many know we can still pick up sin again? Well, the old man was put on the cross, but we can still pick up those dead grave clothes, and those dead, grave, those dead grave clothes are just so stinky because I believe that the flesh actually wars against true love because the flesh is self-centeredness, self-gratification, and self-righteousness. It's the me, myself, and I, right? That is, that is how we then can put on the old man, the, the dead grave clothes. And I don't know about it, but you don't have to be a Christian to stink when you're gratifying your own pleasure. Because how many actually like to be around a self-centered person? A self-gratifying person? A self-righteous person? Anybody just love to be around those kind of people? I don't. It doesn't matter whether they're a Christian or not. Because they stink. Because they've got, they've got dead clothes on. They've got clothes that belong to a dead person. Now, for, for a person that doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, that, that person is fully alive and active. <laughs> 
But for us, we do not have to partner with that. So again, there's this present tense thing that says, what does it say? You lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted. So it's still an active thing that we have to say no to. Is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So it's not the futility of the mind, but it's the spirit of the mind. And, and what does that mean? The spirit or the spirited point. Spirited actually means that enthusiastic, that we are enthusiastic. The, 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 the meaning of the term enthusiastic is to be divinely inspired. So we're actually spirited, divinely inspired. And, and in that place, we're renewing our mind through the Holy Spirit coming into us. And it's through that position that we put on Christ. So we're putting on a new self, which is in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness. So, you know, if you think about it, uh, yes, the old man's dead. Yes, can we still partner? Yes, we can. But I see it partnering in this free will. Like we have this, this free will that we operate with. And in the free will, we can go between self-centeredness on one extreme to God-centeredness on the other. We can go from self-gratification uh, to, to, to worship, uh, worshiping our king, right? Uh, we can go from self-righteousness to Christ-righteousness. And so always in relationships, when it comes to love, when it comes to value, when it comes to all the things that we talked about today, those are possible because we're putting on Christ Jesus. It's possible because we're, we're taking our eyes off of ourselves and, and, and we're putting Christ on. And as we put Christ on, then the fruit of the Spirit can operate and flow through us. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, all those things that we need. So really, it's a battle between self me, myself, and I, in my free will, and instead choosing God in each of those instances and encounters to put him on, to put Christ on, to put on love, as the scripture says. In Colossians, it says, uh, what? Put on uh, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness. So we have to put it on. We have to put it on. It's not through futility, but it's through the spirit and the renewing of our mind that, that we have an opportunity to have incredible relationships like I have with my beautiful wife. So would you, uh, uh, each of you, uh, we've received um, uh, the elements. And so if you have not received uh, the, the, um, the bread and the grape juice, then could we uh, get a bowl just running around? Could you put your hand up if you, if you haven't received communion yet, the elements? There we go. Thank you. And then... Uh, we're going to need a couple up front here as well. So, um, But it's through the blood of Jesus that our value was applied as priceless. And it's through the blood of Jesus that we can then value the others around us as well. And so my, my heart today would just be to partner with you in whatever place you are. And you may not be married. You may have been previously married. You might just... Uh, you might be in a place where you are, uh, you've been hurt through relationships. You've been hurt through previous marriages. You might be in a place today where you're not even sure you want to date again. You're not even sure you want to get into a relationship. But I tell you today that the most important thing that you can receive is not even necessarily walking out that door and getting a call from someone that wants to, 
right? That, that wants to take you out or, or, or an old acquaintance or whatever it is. But the most important thing we can do is remember who we are and remember the value that Christ placed in us today. And I tell you what, the grace of God is so big in relationships. When we were dating, um, it wasn't long after we were dating that I thought justice looked like something that I had to take care of. And we were waiting here in the parking lot. Um, The car, uh, her car was there. Um, My car was there. We were just talking. And uh, it was after a date. She was going to go get in her car. And this, this, this van of kids came by, older kids, men, grown men. They came by and they started shouting and, and insulting Hannah, just throwing insults out after her. And so my old response was to take off after them, even though she was in the car with me. And so I chased them down and pulled into some kind of abandoned lot and screeched up behind them, uh, got out and confronted this group of people. and Big men. Big men who wanted... And I, I, I was so angry and so mad and so felt that they needed to apologize to her. And as these guys came out with their long coats and, um, and they, uh, the, the situation got pretty hairy and, uh, and I was demanding an apology for Hannah. And uh, um, it so happened as things got to... Um, uh, a point of tension and potential fight that um, there was a police car hidden in the trees, and uh, and the siren and the and the police just they put their siren on, and at that point I think they thought it was some kind of a gang thing because car, uh, police cars just started pouring in, and uh, and I was on the back of the police car with my fingers interlocked, thinking about what I was doing while Hannah was still in the car. I don't know what date that was, but it wasn't very long after we got together. And, uh, and the, police, the police were searching me over, sure that I was on drugs, looking through my leather jacket, and they found a packet, a little plastic packet, and a whole group of police were surrounding me, and they said, aha! And they pulled it out, and it happened to be the spare button for my jacket. And the cop even said, aha, and he said some other things. And then he got pretty mad. And he said, it's just a button. And, um, and so when, when, I, when we got back to the car, it was a really silent trip home. But I'm so thankful that you stayed with me. And I can't say that was the last time that I really struggled with anger and just wanting immediate justice. But what I realized is because of the blood of Jesus, that the blood of Jesus is what actually brings justice. And that I didn't have to partner with anger anymore. I didn't have to partner with that side that just wanted immediate justice. But I realized that the blood is the cry of a merciful judge who still brings justice, but he brings it in his way. And that did so much in our relationship to begin to control that anger and begin to control those, those feelings, that, that uh, self-righteousness, so much of that had nothing to do with God. And had everything to do with me, myself, and I. But I tell you today, I wanted to share that story because we may have all done silly and stupid things like that. But I wanted to share from this perspective that if God's grace was enough for us still to be together, God's grace is enough for you 
to be together as well. And not just together as, as a couple, but together as a family. If you're single here today or you've walked through a marriage that, that didn't work out, you're family. If you're here today and you're just not sure who you're supposed to be with, you're family. If you're here today and you've been married two or three times, you're family. Today, this is about the blood of Jesus and the body of Christ and us receiving the value that he paid, which was priceless. So would you lead us in the, in the communion? Yeah. So, Lord, I just thank you for your body, and I just thank you for the provision that you gave us, God. It was the blood of, it was the body of Christ that, that, that took the beating. It was the body of Christ that was broken for us. It was the body of Christ that took the lashes. Lord, it's the body of Christ that when you say, take and eat, it really means the provision that as we eat of your body, everything that we need is given to us. You have provided it all in your sacrifice on the cross. And Lord, we just receive that in the middle of our relationships, in the middle of our struggles, in the middle of our loneliness, in the middle of relationships just not seeming to work out. We ask you this, Lord. You are our provision. You are our source. You are our value system. You are our love. And Lord, as we take this body that was broken for us today, Lord, bend us, break us for the world around us too, Lord. Bend us and break us for the lost in our community that need to experience the love of God because we understand the priceless value that you put on us by sending your son. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Let's take the bread together. Lord, we thank you for the blood that was shed for us, Father, the ultimate sacrifice that you gave for us. I just want to encourage anyone, um, as you were listening to what we were talking about, if memories came up of um, relationships where maybe you didn't make the, the love choice and you were feeling uh, guilt and shame and sadness for decisions that you've made or even decisions that someone else in the relationship made. I want to encourage you that as we take the, the blood that it was all paid for. Yeah. It's all washed away. You don't need to carry that anymore. And uh, if that's a relationship that's still damaged today that you believe for restoration as we take this, that it's going to relieve you of your guilty part, but we also, in the blood, we have faith and we have hope for restoration. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.
We love you, Jesus. Hannah, would you just pray a prayer over um, whatever place people are relationally, whatever place people are, um, whether they're in, in, in a relationship or not, but just that um, the Lord would just do a healing in, his, uh, in our heart today. The Lord would just do a work in our heart of establishing the value and the way that he sees us, yeah. that his pleasure with us. You know, I feel like that's so important today. So. Yeah. Um, if you need to pick up children also, feel free to go ahead and go for that during this time. Um, Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to come before you today and to receive from you a new place of value, to see your heart for us, to see the gold that you have put inside of us, Father. Lord, I just thank you for everyone here, everyone watching online. And Father, I just ask that you speak to that place in their heart that they've allowed to be crushed, that they've allowed to be belittled. And Father, I ask that you just call that out in them right now and you, you speak your value into who they are, that they are worth being loved. They're worth being loved by you. They are worth being loved by family. They have value. They have value in this home. They have value in family and they have value in you, Father. So, Lord, I just ask that you just come in to those places, those broken places in heart this morning, and you just bring your love. This is all tied under your love, Father. All of the patience that we need, all of the trust that we need, the confidence in one another, Lord, it's all rooted in you. Father, I ask that you just strengthen those in us, Father. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I just uh, just like to ask the uh, the altar ministry team to come up, and if there is just an area in your life where you just want to uh, just receive God's value for you, I just feel like there's just an experience of the Lord just declaring over you that He's pleased with you, that He loves you, of your value. I just believe that there's healing today for some hearts that just need that value that the Lord has for you reestablished. So if we could have those teams up, would you mind just standing up with me today? And would you just do one more thing just as a family as we go out? Would you, as you go out today, just think of something valuable and precious to say over the person that you're going to meet between here and the door? Would you just think of something that you can share and declare a value over the person around you? So again, if you, if you just want to come up and just receive uh, you just want to receive another understanding, uh, an encounter with the Lord uh, of his value for you. Please do so. So thank you.